You are listening to the weekly message from Mount Helena Community Church. Celebration services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Gateway Center. Or join us live online at www.mounthelena.cc. God wrecked me in worship this morning. He just... And I'm going to... I'm going to sh- I'm going to share it with you this morning. Um We're singing the song about <clears throat> how much of, of a good father he is. And what our identity is because of that and I want to share something with you this morning. Um I don't even know how much I've shared it with my own family. But, uh I can remember from the time I was seven years old, I had suicidal thoughts and depression. And uh, when I was in the eighth grade, I took some action on that. And it was of little consequence. I cut my wrists with a knife, and uh, my brother found me. I had done very little damage. I didn't have the will to do that much damage and uh, it didn't really hurt myself much, but my brother found me and I, he flipped his lid. He freaked out. He was a lot younger than me. And, uh, I was thinking about my grandparents this morning. There, were, there was a possibility they were going to join us uh, and visit today and, and they aren't here, but my grandpa's the one that came. I took off running and I... I basically collapsed in a field near our house and uh, when we're singing these songs this morning I'm reminded of the scripture that says he who is forgiven much loves much and to whom much is given much is required I can't tell you how thankful I am that he delivers us from those things. That he heals us of those things. That he breaks those chains in our life. And I still battle that to this day. I still have to take a stand against that today. What am I doing standing here today but the grace of God? But that he loves us. And he rescues us. I want to speak to those of you today that are struggling like that. It sucks. Even if it isn't depression and suicide, you can feel lost with so many things. But you guys, God is so good that while we deserve nothing, He breaks those chains and He gives us new life. And He causes us to thrive when we didn't deserve to thrive. I'm so thankful for my life today. I'm so glad I couldn't follow through when I was a kid. I'm so glad that even when I was a little seven-year-old boy, he was watching, and he knew my thoughts, and he knew his plans, and despite my weakness and my lack of ability, he still rescued me with his grace. You are not beyond rescuing. You are not beyond being healed. You are not beyond those chains in your life being broken and finding freedom Again, I was thinking about my grandparents. 
And around here we talk a lot about the generations and that God moves in generations and he builds from generation to generation. And there are some of you here that you didn't have the generations before you to lay some foundation for you. You're the first one. You're the first generation to have the opportunity to lay some foundation in your family line. You know, the scripture says that he's faithful to a thousand generations of those that love him. Start something today, laying a foundation for the generations to come and find freedom from those things that have plagued your family and the people that came before you. Take a stand and put your life into his hands and let him bring you freedom from those things. Wow, I should just finish right there, huh? Don't let your heart be hard. You know, when we sing songs like we did today, we're saying things that we might not otherwise say. We're declaring things we might not otherwise declare. You notice in between songs, if there's no music, there's dead silence in here. But the reality is that God is the things we sang this morning. He is who we said he was this morning. He is a good father. Scripture, I have some announcements I have to get to, but I'll save them for a bit. Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. This morning I want to talk about your appetite, your diet. What are you taking in? What are you feeding yourself with? The Bible often uses the analogy of food and drink when he's talking about our relationship with him. He uses that because it's such a common thing for us, isn't it? To know what it's like to be hungry and to know what it's like to be thirsty. Even with the things that I described this morning, you know what it's like to be desperately thirsty for something fresh, for some life, for something to bring you freedom. You know what that feels like. You know what it's like to be very thirsty. Can I get the PowerPoint? How many times have your kids came up to you and let you know that they're starving? (laughs) Actually, I do that to my wife. I'm starving, lady. She's like, well, go make yourself a sandwich then. (laughs) If you've ever fasted, you know what it's like to be hungry. I don't very often laugh at scriptures in the Bible. I mean, that's probably sacrilegious or something, but it does say that after he had fasted 40 days, he was hungry. I'm like, (laughs) of course he was. Speaking of Jesus, when we're deprived of something, we really start to crave it, don't we? When we're thirsty and we're hungry, I've done a lot of backpacking and Half the fun of backpacking is 
trying to figure out the lightest way to pack your pack. And sometimes that results in you being very hungry by the end of the journey. Dehydrated food, protein bars, they do get old. One time we, um, my dad and a group of us friends climbed Granite Peak here in Montana. and You climb up to about 11,000 feet and then you have six miles of rock. And then you get to the peak and uh, I think, I don't know, it took us about four days probably. We stopped by, I think it was Fishtail, Montana. Anybody been to Fishtail? Is that what it's called, Fishtail? Yeah? And there was a little restaurant there. And let me tell you what, a greasy cheeseburger never tasted so good in my life. John chapter 7. Jesus and his disciples are at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And what this was was a, one of the feasts given from the Old Testament. The Jews celebrated it. And what they did is they would make these, they called them booths. They made little shacks and they would live in them for a certain number of days. I've suddenly forgotten how many it was, but. They would live in these shacks and it was a reminder of their time after Egypt and before crossing into the promised land when they were with Moses in the desert and they ate the manna that came from the sky. They had no home. They wandered and they lived in these these booths, they called them. And this was at the harvest season for the Jews. They would celebrate the Feast of Booths, reminding themselves of where God had brought them from how he had rescued them. And it was the most celebratory, it was the joyous Jewish holiday when they celebrated the harvest and they celebrated what God did for them. And a lot of uh, rituals began. They had a lot of oral tradition that precipitated the things that they did. And one of the things that they would do is, uh, it was a water ceremony and they would priest would go to the pool of Siloam and he would get a pitcher of water and they'd have this procession to the temple and, and after all these sacrifices were made they would pour the water out on the temple and there's a lot of detail to that and it was a major point of celebration for them but as most of you know the Old Testament is all those feasts and the law and all those kind of things are highly symbolic of the Messiah and what was to come, what God was going to do for his people. And on the last day of the feast, when they were doing this, Jesus stood up and cried out. Okay, we're talking a major assembly of people. And it was a very important day for them. He says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus didn't just randomly stand up and say this if you come across it in the Bible. If you know what was actually taking place in Jerusalem at the time, it was that they were pouring water on the altar and it was a celebration. Can you imagine standing up in a group like this, much, much bigger than this in a big city and declaring such a thing about yourself? Those that knew the scripture knew he was referring to the Messiah. He knew what he was talking about. I think it was about 
70 years or so prior to Jesus, maybe not that long. You know, there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and I didn't know this, uh, but the Sadducees did not accept the oral tradition of the Jews. And they had a Sadducee for the high priest one year, and he, instead of pouring the water on the altar because he didn't agree with the oral tradition, he just dumped it on his feet. And they threw, the crowd basically rioted, threw fruit and stuff they had at him, pelted him with it. Can you imagine? Don't start doing that to me if you don't like what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Ultimately, I think 6,000 Jews were killed in that uprising. Weren't always good times. There's another story about water and drinking. It's a story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. The story is full of so many things that we could talk about, but I'm just going to focus on this one thing. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Both these are in chapter John. This is in verse 4, or chapter 4, and what I just read you is later on in verse 7. Let's go back and look at that. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. First thing I want to talk about in this is, do you go to Jesus when you're thirsty? When you have need, when your spirit needs life, when you're in a situation that requires more, do you go to the source of life? Water is life. We die without it. And we get thirsty every so often. But when we go to Jesus, he satisfies us in a way that nothing else can. Do you go to Jesus when you're thirsty? Do you go to the source? We talk a lot about the idea of being a consumer and being a contributor and that as we mature, we need to be less and less taking from others and more and more giving to others, giving of ourselves as we become more mature. And Jesus talks about this here. It's more than just taking in what Jesus is giving you. It's that that eventually wells up to something that also flows out of you. In John chapter 7, John, uh, after the Feast of Tabernacles, John says this is the Holy Spirit. He's referring to the Holy Spirit, which had not yet come because his time wasn't yet fulfilled. When we go to Jesus and he gives us his Spirit, Remember the scriptures we looked at in recent weeks that say, it's to your benefit that I go away, Jesus told his disciples. It's to your benefit that I leave, because we have to send the Holy Spirit to be your helper, counselor, teacher. We talked about the Spirit isn't just a power, the Spirit is a being, it is God himself with us. All of us, everywhere, all the time, and in us. In fact, the scripture goes so far as to say, you are the temple and inside of you the Spirit of God dwells. If you have faith in Him. And when we go to Jesus and we drink, it becomes more than just something that we take into ourselves to satisfy ourselves. It grows into something that goes out beyond us and begins to affect the lives of others around us. Do you go to the source when you need a drink? Do you go to the source of the living water, Jesus Himself? We've been talking in recent weeks about the church. And every once, you know, we, we do a lot of that, and I just 
going into this week, I'm thinking, okay, that's great. We talked about ourselves a lot. Let's remind ourselves why we are even the church. Why are we even here to begin with? We are nothing without Him. We're nothing without what He has done for us. So many of you have stories like mine. You wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Him. You wouldn't be living the life you're living if it weren't for Him. We need to remind ourselves that we can go to books, we can go to one, one another, we can go to seminars, we can go to all types of teaching. And that stuff, it's not wrong, but we need to realize that the source of all these things is Jesus Christ himself. Do you go to Jesus himself when you need a drink? Sometimes it's hard to think that I as an individual have any right to approach God. That I have any position whatsoever to even open my mouth and pray. I would rather go talk to somebody that's maybe more mature than I am or read a book or those kind of things because I, I don't even know if I can open my mouth and talk to God. I'm just not sure He'd even hear me. Well, you know what? That's not true. He hears your prayer. In Hebrews, it teaches us that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Not because we've been righteous, but because He's been righteous in our place. Because he's rescued us from our own unrighteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we think of the word righteous, I think it gets abused a little bit in our society. And I, I don't know, sometimes I don't even like using the word righteous because it immediately gives you the sense of self-righteousness. But we can't lose the real meaning of the word righteous. Jesus paid a heavy price for your righteousness. You will not be righteous in and of your own strength ever under any circumstances. Don't even try. You are righteous because of your faith. You're righteous because you believe in that sacrifice. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the things of God, who go to Jesus for the drink because they will be filled. And not only will they be satisfied, but what they consume eventually flows up and out of them, bringing life. Later on in the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, the disciples had gone into town to get something to eat. And they came back and were wondering what in the world was going on that he was talking to this lady. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. We talk about eating and drinking, it's, oh man, we revel in it, don't we? How many of you are going to go watch football and eat snacks? And How many of you are going to go mourn your team's loss last week? Don't you love it when you get to go have a prime rib? Or a ribeye steak, and you think about, oh man, I'm gonna have some horseradish. 
on the side and some au jus. I think I'm going to get the twice-baked potato this time. When you start thinking about what you get to eat, your flesh gets excited, doesn't it? Eating is one of the more enjoyable things in life. Not only do we need it, but we like it. There are strange people on this world called vegetarians. (laughs) If you're a vegetarian, I'm just harassing you. We'll pray for you after the service. I actually suspected that salad was some sort of conspiracy of vegetarians to cause the rest of us to stumble. And then I realized that salad has meat on it, or it can. I eat salad now. We're kind of spoiled about food, aren't we? It's probably one of the hardest things about missions. One of the things I worry about the most. When we went to Romania, I was probably 25 years old or so. And I was hungry the entire time I was there. Because they don't eat the portions we eat in Romania. In fact, I had deep fried pig fat cooked over a fire. Hey, when you're hungry. (laughs) Slanina. Yeah, there we go. Out over a campfire in a gypsy village, slabs of pork fat. Kind of spoiled about food. And man, if we don't get fed, we get grumpy, don't we? Those of you that fast. Man, if you go to a restaurant, this is what is, is amazing to me how picky people are. And how rude to their servers they can get. Yeah, I mean, if you're paying for your meal, certainly you should get what you ordered. But man, we get our emotions all tied up in the fact that they forgot the horseradish for my prime rib. Kind of spoiled. So the disciples are off getting food and Jesus says something that is similar to the idea of the water. I have food that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. When we think about food, we think of consuming, self-focused, self-sustaining. I take it into my body and I'm happy. I ate. And when I'm thirsty, I have a drink and I'm satisfied and I'm happy because I'm not thirsty any longer. But it doesn't go a lot further than that. But just like many things with the kingdom of God, the principles go far beyond being self-focused. We know that the Bible teaches us it is better to give than it is to receive, don't we? If our lives don't go beyond consuming to contributing to the lives of others, then it's an unfulfilled life. It's not complete. Jesus was not satisfied unless he did the will of the one who sent him. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for more? So often when we hunger for more, we go looking someplace for more, don't we? I'll go to the next church, I'll read the next book, 
I'll go to this seminar. I'll go down to Silver Star State Company. Whenever I want more, I'll go someplace to get it. Not, not necessarily anything wrong with those things. But if we want to grow on to maturity, we need to realize that until we begin to pour out ourselves, our hunger will never really be fully satisfied. Until we give on behalf of other people, we'll never really be fully satisfied. It's an incomplete work if all we're doing is consuming. Over the last, well, I guess I should just say for my adult life, what it has seemed like is, and this is a priority, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But there's kind of this attitude that seems to creep into people's lives that is, ah, it's just me and Jesus and we just do our thing. Me and Jesus in the hills. Me and Jesus out on the lake in my boat. That's my church. That's the extent of my relationship. That's all he really wants. No, it isn't. That's immature. Maturity is to then take what has been put into you and fills you and poured out into the lives of others. It is better to give than to receive. Your relationship with Jesus is a priority, absolutely. But if that is the only thing you're focused on, then you're missing what you're actually called to do. Forgive me if that sounds really blunt, but that's how I feel about it. That's what it says right here. My food isn't to sit and consume. My food is to do. To eat is to do. You want a full meal? Then do. Do what you were asked to do. Do what you were called to do. If you don't know what that is, keep pursuing God. He will reveal those things to you. And the fact is, sometimes we are babies. We never stop consuming. Sometimes we're children and we have to be fed. We don't even know how to feed ourselves sometimes. And we start out as infants. That's okay if that's where you are. We just need to realize that nothing is ever really going to fully satisfy us until we do the will of the one that sent us. Do you know you're sent? We talk about that, that apostolic ministry, the sending the activation, the releasing. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Think about it financially. You know, the Proverbs are full of things. He who loves money never has money enough. But those of you that have discovered generosity know what it's like to be truly satisfied in your financial situation. Proverbs talks about hoarding your wealth to your own destruction. Want to understand the fullness of our financial lives? Then we need to learn what it is to give. To give of ourselves. You want to know more about the will of God? Then we have to do the will of God. You want to understand the scripture? Then we've got to do what we see in the scripture. kingdom system is almost always in contradiction to the world system, isn't it? The world system is keep it to yourself. Feed yourself. Consume, consume, consume. I know I talk about that a lot, but 
talk about it from a different view today. A tree is known by its fruit, isn't it? Did, did your mom ever tell you garbage in, garbage out? The idea that if you're putting garbage in, then garbage is what you're going to get out of it? Or the classic line about your schoolwork, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Oh, man, tired of that one. If I go to Jesus, if I'm, if I'm a tree, and the goal of being a tree is to produce fruit, put it this way, if I've got a fruit tree in my yard, and that fruit tree just likes to drink all the water I give it and whatever else I do to the soil, the amendments and all those kind of things that I put in the soil, and it just sits there and sucks it all up and is happy and never produces fruit, what am I going to do with that tree? Firewood, yeah. No, that's not, how, that's not how God designed it, is it? If I go to Jesus and I drink, and I do to the will of my Father and I am eating, what type, what's the fruit going to be like that I produce? If you are investing in drinking living water, if you're investing in your relationship with Jesus, you're going to Jesus when you are in need. You're going to Jesus when you're happy. You go to Jesus when you're sad. You go to Jesus for everything that you need for life. You're watering the roots of a tree. And it just doesn't get sucked up into the tree. It eventually begins to produce something outside of itself. We know a tree by its fruit. Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. If you don't go to Jesus for the water, how much fruit are you able to produce? If you don't irrigate your garden, how much does it produce? Not much. But if you take the time to amend the soil, to give it what it needs, to put the water to it that it needs, if you understand how it works, you can reap a great crop. You put good things in, you're going to get good things out. What water are you drinking if you're not drinking the water from Jesus? If you're not drinking of His Spirit? If you aren't taking in who He is into yourself? Of course, Jesus is Angry at this particular moment, it appears, with these brood of vipers. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's a, uh, I believe it's a proverb, it could be a song. It says, I won't put anything worthless before my eyes. My father-in-law had that on a little plaque above his TV I will put nothing worthless before my eyes. You know, eyes are a gateway into who you are. If you consume something with your eyes, it goes right into your inner being. Sometimes we make light of all the things that we witness, see, hear, and take in. But they do have an effect on us. And when we fill our heart with things that aren't good, sooner or later they pour out of our mouth, don't they? 
If I allow bitterness to take root in my heart, if I allow my offense with somebody to grow and grow and grow, sooner or later it slips out of my mouth and it becomes cursing. It becomes something vile. But when the offense takes place, I need to deal with the offense that it doesn't take root in my life and eventually spill out my mouth and convict me. And likewise, if I go to Jesus and I'm drinking of what Jesus is giving me and I'm eating the, by doing the will of my Father, I'm filling my inner being with good things. And eventually what happens? Good things come out my mouth. If I believe what the Scripture says about you, I can say good things about you, even if I know you. <laughs> Sorry, Ragged. What does the Scripture say about you and me? Do we take that in to the extent that it actually shapes what we say about people? We sang a song this morning about the good father, right? What a good father he is. And for many of us, there's a little part of us that wants to fight against that and go, I don't know if he was that great of a father. My situation doesn't feel that great. That's legitimate. You might be in a really bad situation. And the brokenness of man contradicts the goodness of God. We need to run to him to obtain the truth and walk in the truth. It can be really hard to comprehend sometimes and we need to continue to wrestle with it. I know me, right? I shared with you part of my past this morning. I know who I am. I'm ugly. I am ugly. I am weak and I am broken. I know that part of me. But that part of me was crucified with Christ. You know, it, we talked about it. I was talking about it with a friend of mine this week. And we talk about it a lot. In the book of Romans. I want to do the right thing. I don't do it. The things I don't want to do, I do. I'm burdened with this old me on my back. It's still with me till the day that I die. But it isn't me anymore. My identity is what the scripture says my identity is, despite my wrestling with the dead person I'm carrying on my back. Remember that illustration I used? Now I have to share it with you because I just talked about it, didn't I? Tyler, do we need to do this demonstration again? No, no, switch? Yeah, I'll jump on your back this time. No, 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 sit down. I'm getting... Why do I have to be the dead guy this time? Are you trying to say something about me? All right, so the concept is... No, stand up awkwardly in front of everybody. That sounds good. (laughs) Oops, sorry. Don't do it. Oh, you're scaring me. Knock it off. All right, here's the illustration before Tyler passes out. When you murdered somebody, they strapped the body of the dead person to your back until you died in some cultures. This is what it's like when the old you dies 
And you're st- it's dead, but you're still carrying it with you. And so it affects you, but it's not who you are anymore. You are a new creation. Put me down. You're making me nervous. No, 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 no. How come I'm sweating? It can be hard. It's so, so hard because I'm so aware of my own depravity. And if you handle that correctly, it's a good thing because the more you realize how weak you are, the stronger God becomes. In your weakness, he's made strong. You are weak. The old you is weak. The old you. That's why they use the phrase born again. There's a rebirth that takes place when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, a birthing of the Spirit. And the flesh no longer is the dominant part of your being, even though it feels like it. It requires faith. So if I am drinking from the fountain of life, if I'm feeding myself by doing the will of the one who sent me, I am a well planted tree and in time I will produce fruit fruit is not for decoration fruit is not there just to look good fruit gives life fruit gets consumed to the benefit of those around us if we are producing a harvest if you will out of our relationship with God, it is impacting the people around us in a very positive way. And Jesus is the greatest example in this in that he poured out his life even unto death for you and I on our behalf, and he is our example. Do we live in that way? Do we see ourselves as taking in God and pouring out into the lives of others? It's a... Wonderful illustration. Of course, we've talked about the concept too. I mean, the recent Star Wars thing, you know, you can't just use the force and produce fruit. I can't just sit here and concentrate until a piece of fruit just goes boop in my hand, can I? A tree can't sit there and go, orange. That's not how it works, does it? Little by little, cell by cell, over time and natural development, the fruit begins to grow. And it starts out as a bud, blossoms, the fruit grows, and the day comes when that fruit can be enjoyed or ruined by being put in a fruit salad. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? I want to produce fruit. I want to bless other people. Even though I'm a mess, I still can bless other people. That's the beauty of the church. Messed up and beautiful all at the same time. 
You guys can choose which category you are in. Beautiful or messed up. I want to go on to the other half of this scripture because I think it's important. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. This is a heavy scripture. invest in ourselves and we invest in one another and we go to God and he invests in us and eventually it pours out of us what's inside. And when we store up the good treasure and all the good things, good comes out. But I want to focus for just a minute on careless words. If I'm filling myself with things that aren't good, if that's what I'm inundating my life in, that will come out my mouth. And what comes out my mouth matters. The Bible teaches us that there is life and there is death in the words that you speak. And those of you that, for some reason, it seems to be almost the most significant when it comes from our parents. If we've spoken something of death or we've heard it as par- from our parents you know how much that affects you. If someone tells you you're worthless enough, sooner or later you believe it. You take it in. Your words are powerful. Something that isn't spoken may not exist. You know, we know that isn't in its fullness yet. How about that? We talk about the idea of faith and works. Some have, someone, one person says, I have faith. Another says, I have works. Paul says, nope. I'll show you my faith by my works. If I have faith, it will produce something tangible in time. The Bible says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And sometimes we kind of go, well, what does confessing with my mouth have to do with that? Doesn't that somehow mean I'm justified then by my works? No, when your heart is overflowing with something, your mouth can't help but speak. And just like faith without works is dead faith, until that faith comes out and is brought into reality through your mouth, the process isn't complete. I might love my wife in here, But if it never comes out, what good is it? Is that really love? Do I really care if I keep it contained inside myself? Sooner or later, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. Don't be frivolous with what comes out. But more importantly than that, what are you putting in that's eventually going to come out? Are you going to Jesus to drink of His Spirit, of a living water that wells up till it flows out of you? Is that what you're investing in yourself? Go to Jesus. If you are thirsty, come to me. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. All right, a couple practical things before we wrap up this morning. How do you do that? How do I drink? How do I eat? How do I know? How do I know how to handle this? John chapter 6. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. You need to read the scripture. You need to read the scripture. There's two ways to approach this. I can guilt you and belittle you and harass you about reading your Bible. That doesn't work, does it? But if I know that words of spiritual nature and of life are in this book, I'm going there. If I'm hungry and I'm thirsty, I'm going to go to the words in this book. The words in this book aren't in English. They aren't in Hebrew. They aren't in Greek. They're a spiritual language. And when, the, when you read the words on the page, they speak so much more than something in basic English. They speak something eternal and supernatural that feeds your being. Jesus said, my words are spirit. They are spirit and they are life. The words that you find in here, that's what they are. You want to feed your spirit? Then you've got to read his word. How else do I produce this good fruit and fill myself with the satisfying aspects of who God is? Keep good company. Mom ever tell you that? Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And it's true. Are you spending any time with anyone who is more mature than you in their walk with Christ. If you are the most mature person, then congratulations, you've arrived. Are you being with people that benefit you? Or are you being with people that drag you down? We need to have friends in the world. We need to be in the world. We need to be in our workplace. We need to be interacting with people all the time. We have a great message for the world. We have a gospel. So I'm not saying recluse. But you do need to be spending time in relationship with people that are of benefit to you in your spiritual life, in your walk with God. And the third thing, engage the Holy Spirit in prayer. We talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in recent weeks. He's not just a power, he's a being. He's God, and he's with us. Scripture actually makes a pretty big deal about not blaspheming the Holy Spirit. and Jesus makes a big deal about, I have to go so the Holy Spirit can come. Are you engaging the Holy Spirit in prayer? Are you saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, teach me. That's what he's here for. He is here to teach you, to be with you, to comfort you, to remind you, to lead you. Are you praying that way? Holy Spirit, lead me, be with me, guide me, teach me, help me. Paul encourages Timothy, 
by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. By the Holy Spirit. We can do so much more when we team up with God. We're pretty pathetic when we go on our own. Team up with God. Team up with the Holy Spirit in the things that you're doing. Are we a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do we have an appetite? Do you have an appetite? Or today are you so desperate and thirsty? If you can identify with what I shared this morning as a part of my testimony, if if you are desperate, thirsty, hungry, maybe you've been stuck for a while, don't leave here today without praying with somebody. We're going to have a prayer team over here, and I will be available to you. Don't leave here without being encouraged. That's the purpose of the church. We're gathered together to encourage one another and strengthen with one another, to pray with one another, to pour into the lives of one another that we might go on to bear better fruit. All of us. Don't leave here today if you can identify with that desperate thirst and in need of being rescued. For more information, visit our website at www.mounthelena.cc. Download our mobile app available in iTunes and Google Play. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook.